Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Ocean State Sidelines. Will Gagan here, sports editor at The Independent, along with Brendan McGare of the Pawtucket Times and Woonsocket Call. We are practicing some social distancing here, our first uh, remotely recorded podcast, so we'll see how it goes. Yeah, this is a big-time step for us, and uh, we're uh, committed to bringing you content even during this uh, stoppage in sports. And uh, today, Will, we're going to talk a little college basketball, kind of put a bow on the the season that finished abruptly and kind of look ahead to the off season. Yeah, it's uh, it seems like a, a long time ago that we were watching college basketball, even though it was really only, what, two weeks ago, a little over two weeks ago? Yeah. Uh, that all the uh, conference tournaments were canceled. So well, here we are. But uh, I guess uh, maybe we'll uh, we'll take a look back at first uh, the Rhodey Rams and also the PC Friars and you know, I'm sure there have been a lot of stories out there about what could have been and what the, the teams needed to do in their respective conference tournaments, where the Friars safely in going to the NCAA tournament, where the, how deep the Rams had to go. But uh, right. I guess uh, we'll just look at the, the seasons as a whole and, uh, you know, reflect on uh, what was, what did take place. Yeah. You know, we can start with, with Providence. I mean, such an up and down year early on, such a wild ride, but but for them to put it together the way they did, to put themselves in position to to be in the NCAA tournament, uh, I you know it seems like a, a you have you know ignoring the way it ended for everybody, ignoring that for everybody, you got to call it a successful season for the Friars. Absolutely, do and uh, you know Ed Cooley over the you know remaining few weeks of the regular season, he made reference to the Friars. 81-53 to lost to Florida back on December 17th. It took place at the Barclays Center. It's kind of like the line of demarcation. It was, mm-hmm. a, low, it was a low point of, its, of, a, of the season. And, you know, I want to go back to maybe a few weeks before that when the Friars lost 75-61 at URI on a Friday night. And, uh, you know, a close game that was really broken open by the Rams in the second half. And Luan Pimpkins did not have a, a – good game at all and none of the Friar seniors really did and I remember asking Ed Cooley afterwards if this was going to be you know to turn around it had to come from the seniors and it just it eventually did but kind of looking back on that that was kind of like I thought really the the low point in terms of the seniors you know the group that had kind of been together over a period of four years and you know with the way that they just Flip the switch come February. It's been was very impressive, and it's hats off to those guys for really, I think, turning around the season. Yeah, yeah I, I agree with that. I think the you know that's where it came from. Those those are the guys who led the way. Um, you know that going back to that URI game that that was you could say that was rock bottom. And and Cooley talks about the Florida game. There were a lot of points in the season when Providence looked dead in the water. I mean, January they lose three straight to Creighton, Seton Hall, Villanova. Uh, even later in uh, in February, they lose two straight to Xavier and St. John's, uh, and then they lose again. It was it was really an, a remarkable turnaround, uh, impressive, really really good stuff by them. And uh, you know, I think kind of regardless of, of where it ended, people people will remember that streak and that feeling of that. Yeah, and uh, you know, one thing that is remarkable about this turnaround is that how the competition, the level of competition, you know, you open February, you win at Butler, national ranked at the time, you come home and you beat a nationally ranked Creighton team. Then you on a Saturday night you beat Seen Hall, which was number ten at the time. You beat Marquette and Marcus Howard, number nineteen, and then winning at Villanova, which was number twelve in the country. There were no uh they weren't fatting up on any uh any bums to uh right the shrimp here down the stretch. 
<laughs> no, that's true. I mean, the Big East was really tough, and uh, and they made the most of that. They took advantage of their opportunities and put themselves in position, like we said, to uh, to make a run. But, uh, you know, just I wrote this uh, last week. I caught up with uh, PCF Director Bob Driscoll, just kind of recapping that March 12th uh, day, that Thursday, when basically the whole sports world uh, shut down. You know, the Friars were at the hotel getting ready to get on the bus to go to Madison Square Garden for their 2.30 game against Butler. And they were told to get off the bus and told that there was the Big East term was going to be suspended or canceled entirely. And it was at that time, there was still a game going on. I believe Creighton yeah. versus St. John's was taking place. That was the last college basketball game, I think, major-wise, that was still taking place. The ACC had canceled at SEC, the American. The Ivy League canceled early in the week. They were kind of criticized for that. They kind of looked good in that regard. But, um, you know, it's kind of a, an abrupt ending. And, you know, you kind of ask all these questions. What if? What if the Friars play in the Big East tournament? How high their seed could have been? Would they have been able to maybe stay home? I know one of the regional sites was uh, Albany. Could they have at least made the short drive up there? Some Friar fans were probably looking forward to going to Florida. I know that was another uh, possible destination. It's uh, it's a lot of hypotheticals, but like we said, I think the one thing to focus is on that this, t- this season was able to flip the switch and end on a, such a high note. And this group, I think, will be remembered maybe not as – Significant as obviously the final four teams and some of the Big East tournament teams, but uh, they will be on that next tier in terms of Friar teams that have definitely uh, endeared themselves to the fan base. And honestly, they'll be remembered for the way it ended too. This it's the coronavirus year, um, and I think everyone will everyone will, will remember that. Um, you know, looking a little bit ahead, um, obviously we, we talked about the seniors. Uh, they'll lose some big pieces with Alpha Diallo, uh, Khalif Young. Juan Pipkins, uh, Malik White, um, so so a lot to replace there, but certainly a good nucleus coming back, especially you know the way David Duke played down the stretch, uh, AJ Reeves showing some flashes, um, so things you know seem to be in position for the Friars just with the returning guys to, to have a pretty good good run next year, uh, and then they've also made some noise already on the transfer market. Yep, no, you know, just uh, you know, Greg Gant, a promising freshman, he'll be back as well, and Jimmy Nichols, who I've always been a, a fan of, uh, he had a quote unquote redshirt year this year. I think it, he was a young player when he came to PC. It was a good chance for him to kind of expand his game. He'll be back next year. Two players who sat out this past year: uh, Noah Horschler, he um, transferred from uh, down in North Florida, and uh, Jared Bynum, who URI fans are probably familiar with, he uh, transferred in from St. Joe's. He'll, they'll both be eligible for next year. And you mentioned, Will, uh, the Friars uh, in the offseason, the early goings, have already made some noise on the recruiting front, uh, getting Bryson Godain, uh, from formerly of Syracuse and more known around here from his uh, high school days playing at uh, St. Andrews. He uh, gave the Friars a commit. And also just this past uh, Sunday night, the Friars addressed their uh, – front court by picking up a LaSalle transfer Ed Crosswell who uh per Ken Palm was one of the better offensive rebounders in the country this past season yeah he was I you know we you or I fans saw him and he, he was a pretty tough uh tough guy in the paint um so that's a nice pickup for them as well and uh one thing about the transfers that are coming in for next year you know they might be end up eligible right away depending on what happens with the NCAA right yeah I think that that vote is coming up soon uh, to determine transfer rules and whether you know, whether players can be immediately eligible, so that would that would 
really change things uh, and give give PC an immediate boost uh, along with some teams around the country as well. But uh, I believe the Friars still have one scholarship left at this point. But uh, you know, say if the Friars are, do have a full complement of guys for next year, it's uh, be interesting to see what Ed Cooley does with his uh, rotation. He'll have no shortage of options uh, on which lineups he can use and uh, roll with. Yeah, they'll have, they'll have some depth for sure, some experience. Um, so, yeah, a lot to look forward to in Friartown. But uh, we'll switch gears and now and uh, go to the, the Rody Rams and uh, a team that had a lot of promise when uh, the, the calendar flipped to February and kind of struggled down the stretch. And we're kind of looking forward to using the Atlantic 10 tournament down in Brooklyn as a chance to kind of maybe redeem themselves and make one final push to maybe get into the NCAA tournament conversation. Yeah, certainly a more uh, incomplete feeling for the Rams and for uh, for teams that felt safely in the NCAA tournament field. They just, you know, they knew they they probably needed a run um, in Brooklyn to make that happen. And uh, you know, it, it when you look at that, you you can't help but go back to everything that happened before and what led up to that fact where the Rams had had been in position and then just just a couple of key losses, the Davidson. St. Louis, uh, and that and that really did it. I mean, they were on such a fine line, such a small margin for error that they, uh, you know, they just couldn't couldn't keep it rolling. They had that ten game win streak, uh, and then just kind of kind of fell apart down the stretch a little bit, or not even fell apart, just some tough games, tough games against tougher competition. But you know, you and I talked about this repeatedly during the college basketball season. This was not a, a deep URI team to begin with, and you wonder relying on. Fats Russell, Jeff Dow, and Cyril Langevin, was that going to catch up with the Rams at some point? And, you know, at least, you know, on the outside looking in, it looked like it did. Yeah. I mean, they, they always said, you know, all those players, Coach David Cox said, oh, it's everyone's tired. It's not. That's not what it is. It's not fatigue. You push through. But I think that does, it just adds up after a while. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, uh, you know, I think going into the A-10 tournament, they felt pretty good. But again, they were a little worried maybe about fatigue. The year before, they had kind of fallen short in an A-10 tourney game against St. Bonaventure, where they just <coughs> very clearly kind of lost their legs. Um, so who knows? Who knows what it would have happened? Maybe they put it all together. Maybe those seniors lead the way. Uh, but unfortunately, we never, never got the chance to find out. So the Rams finished up at 21-9. and They were 13-5 and in A-10 play. Successful by some measures, but when you had been in position for an NCAA bid, and then you, you kind of lost that chance, uh, certainly a, a little bit of a sour taste there for Rams fans. Yep, and just uh, putting a bow on uh, probably you know two of the better careers, and at least in UI recent history, Cyril Langevin and Jeff Down. Will you've uh, seen these guys grow from freshmen who were you know key contributors on the uh, URI team that won the twenty eighteen. Uh, or the 2017, I believe, the Atlantic 10 uh, postseason tournament. They were key tr- contributors when they won again the regular season title 2018 and became more leaders as time went on. Just two guys who uh, you know, got better as time went on and really were bedrocks uh, for the past couple of years. Yeah, they were, they were foundation players who uh, kind of followed in the footsteps of like E.C. Matthews, Jared Terrell, Hassan Martin, those kind of guys. They took the torch from those guys. Uh, and really did a great job, and they're all over the record books. You know, Jeff Doughton's up there in assists, Sir Langevin up there in rebounds. Uh, both are thousand point scorers, so th- they'll certainly be missed for the Rams next year. And just looking ahead to uh, the off season, it's already kind of been a busy one in terms of uh, the transfer market, and uh, 
you know, a lot of uh, players leaving uh, Kingston, and you just wonder who's left at this point. Obviously, Fats Russell and uh, and uh, the younger Toppin, Jacob Toppin, they'll be uh, two guys they'll be relying on next year. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, a lot of Rams fans are a little concerned these days. Um, last week, or, or the, over the last week, uh, you had um, Mikhail Long announcing that he would transfer. And then the real shocker and the, <coughs> the biggest news with Tyrese Martin uh, announced on Wednesday that he would transfer. I mean, Martin is is kind of the next in line of those foundational players. He was to take the torch from, you know, Downton and Langevine and be kind of the, you know, the one-two punch with Fats Russell. Uh, and, and for him to transfer that, that's a that's kind of a killer for the Rams. They were looking at having two guys who, who could be all A-10 guys, absolutely, with Fats Russell, who already was, and Tyrese Martin, who seemed kind of poised for that. So that's a big loss. Uh, and, and the Rams have just had, they've just lost a lot of guys over the year, over the last two years, a total of 10 guys. And that's, uh, that's tough to recover from depth wise, even if, even if some of them didn't, weren't going to work out just, just the fact that they have so many open scholarships at this point, and there's some recruiting limitations now because of the coronavirus, uh, it puts them in a little bit of a tough spot at this point. Yeah, you know, you have bodies that you're losing and you want to replenish those bodies as quick as possible. But, uh, you know, another guy I'm sure will be looking forward to for next year if you're the Rams, uh, Antoine Walker. Will, what was your just overall take for him? He sat out the first semester of the transfer from uh, Georgetown. Uh, kind of a an energy guy, rugged guy. Uh, you know, he's going to uh, do most of his work around the basket and uh, maybe he can work on expanding his game a little bit in the offseason. Yeah, I mean, he's, you know, shapes up now to be a really key player for them. Uh, he probably already was going to be, and now now that's even more important. You know, I thought I, I liked what he brought to the table, um, especially, you know, early on um, at the offensive end. He really showed some some skill in the mid-range game, some ability to make some plays for other guys, a little high-low action. Um, so that's something to build on for him. He had some ups and downs along the way, I think, you know, they were maybe a little worried about his defense at times, but by the end of the year, I mean, that Fordham game, uh, when Cyril Langevin was out, uh, you know, David Cox made, made reference to it after the fact that he, he couldn't take Walker off the floor because he was playing so hard, he's playing good defense, uh, and he was just a warrior for them. So he, he's going to be key going forward. you got him, you've got Fats, uh, Jacob Toppin, the freshman, uh, who really showed some flashes of brilliance and who knows? He seems to grow an inch every month, pretty much. So <laughs> he might be he might be six ten by next year. We'll see. Um, but you know, certainly bright bright future for him. It just you know it, it does make you wonder what happens with with the depth. Can they find enough quality guys? Um, Jermaine Harris also will be back, of course. Uh, and then you're you're looking at a couple other guys who sat out this year. Jeremy Shepard, who's the uh, the JUCO guard, who they were really looking forward to having this year. And he ended up being academically ineligible. But he's a big time scorer, so I think that that's going to be a, a you know good one two punch with Russell in the backcourt. Um, and then DJ Johnson, an, another JUCO transfer, redshirted um, this past year. So we'll see what they can get out of him uh, and on the wing or in the front court. Uh, and then it's just going to be about what what they can make happen on the recruiting trail um, to, to find to fill out the roster to find some other impact guys and, and see what they can do. You know, just, uh, you know, we're recording this on Friday afternoon and uh, just uh, a little bit while ago, the uh, Rams got a, uh, a commitment from a six foot nine power forward named Abu Usmani, uh, a Brooklyn native. And uh, 
I'm sure, uh, you know, it's what it has been a bit of a tough week for the Rams. Uh, I'm sure it's probably a good sign to see that uh, they're bringing someone in that will obviously help out the front court next season. Yeah, definitely. I know Rams fans have been looking for a big guy, especially. Um, so that's a that's a good pickup for them. Uh, and, and obviously they, they needed some probably some positive momentum on the recruiting trail. Um, so so that's a you know pickup for them going forward. And we'll see what happens the rest of the way. Uh, they've they've got uh, they've got still four more open scholarships at this point. Yes. Um, with uh, you know, Ishmael Leggett and uh, Elijah Wood already committed, and now, uh, now along with this latest pickup. But uh, that is the uh, status of uh, PCNRI, and uh, we'll be keeping a track of them during the off season. And uh, as uh, if news warrants, we'll be back together, you will and I, to break it all down. We will. We like college, getting some college basketball news because. As you, if you haven't noticed, there's not a lot for our, us sports writers to write about these days. So. No, there's not. There's and, uh, we, we can't even lament about our brackets, Will, because we didn't even get a chance Ooh. to fill out one. It's probably for the best that we didn't offer you guys any bracket advice, because I don't think it would have been good. It tends not to be. Uh, but other than that, yeah, I'm missing college basketball these days. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, definitely been a bittersweet month for College Hoops fans, but uh, hopefully this will uh, fill a little bit of the void, and uh, we'll be back soon with another fresh podcast. Uh, Take care, everyone. Thanks for listening.